God, I hate my fucking job so much already. Tired of stocking lettuce? <laughs> I wish I was stocking lettuce, honestly. You always go with stocking lettuce. I don't know. I find it like, funny. It's <laughs> just like stocking Seriously. lettuce. Is like, <laughs> and you're the hot dog man, so that's why that's all, like kind of off-brand for you. Yeah, but I don't th- like. I would be stocking hot dogs, but uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> so, what do you hate so much about it? Uh, I just I feel like it's beneath me. I hate to say sounds so like pretentious, <laughs> and like sounds so aristocratic. But I'm like I'm, I did this already. Well, dude, we but we just graduated from Berkeley. I was so. like, was that's like you're, you're fresh off that Berkeley degree, dude. That's why you exactly. feel on that. Let let like, that let doing? that degree stagnate and fall away like everyone else's and then you'll be like oh, okay and then you'll be like with it with it with the rest of us oh no you know no dude you oh, can no. do shit out there with an english degree <laughs> there's a lot of shit to do no but I, I i did just get my diploma sent to me pdf style i don't know if you got yours as well jesse no i've been waiting for fucking ages now it's been like four months so wait you have to go then like to the fucking to staples and buy your own card stock and like print it on your own card stock and everything yeah congratulations you graduated berkeley we're not even going to give you a piece of paper you got to print it yourself yeah (laughs) (laughs) please please for the love of god i know you guys are like proud of your degrees but please print them on like just like a4 computer paper that would be awesome (laughs) with like low ink like yeah, a low ink like printer, <laughs> like a weird blue tinge. Oh my god! That's Just walk amazing. into places with that. Like I want a job. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it has like the print test code still on it, on like the border of it. <laughs> Oh my god, it looks exactly like you were just like Googled, like, degree. Yeah. <laughs> like, I swear it's mine. I'm a total professional. Graduated <laughs> from this prestigious institution not long ago. <laughs> Ready for the workforce. Yeah. Well, like, what do you what do you want to do? What do you want to do? It's a thing. I, I want to do anything right now to, like, make money. I hate even this next phrase I'm going to use, but build my resume. Just oh, yeah have like a year's worth of experience of doing something that's relevant to copywriting, editing, any type of writing, proofreading, even technical well, writing. copywriting. Yeah. You could find a copywriting job pretty quickly. Yeah. So something like that, that is like entry level for like a year and then apply to a better position. It's really hard because on a resume or like, a cover letter or anything you don't really talk about age and you can be like seen maybe as like oh you recently graduated college you must be like 21 22 years old so right but in reality it's like, like they're like we 30s. want you to learn more life skills before you apply to us right and it's like i wish i could just put like a big disclaimer on my on my applications and just be like i am 30 just put put your age in like underline and bold, yeah, <laughs> like <exactly>. red. <laughs> um, Just really call attention to it. Yeah, it's an interesting place to be in for sure. Yeah, yeah, much like. Uh, That's right. Get segwater. it. Get it done. Segway. Get it done. Segway. Do, do the do the segway. No, yeah, yeah, I don't want to it. anymore. I feel like a child who's been like, put on the spot. I, 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 feel I like tried a, earlier. I feel like a prince that's been thrown I, out to the desert. I tried earlier and it didn't <laughs> there work. You go. A prince thrown out to the desert. Alex got it done. Okay, well, I was talking over it. Well, whatever. <laughs> That's right. Well, I can edit it. That's cool. <laughs> I fucking love this podcast so much. Yeah, we're a total pros at everything oh we do. God. Our intros, our outros, our music is a high quality. We should just go full done. robotic. It's this definitely, definitely not just me writing something in like 15 minutes, <laughs> throwing it oh out there. Oh my God, this is definitely the first take of this intro. We just start every podcast like this, or like a robot. Oh, I mean, my God. yeah, we should just like pre-record like all of our parts, and like they're just not even like talking about it. They're just no. generic responses to each <laughs> just other. And we like... Just play that in the beginning and see what happens. Dune, 
just have random yeah like David random Lynch. things we would say like like jeff complaining about star trek <laughs> alex uh i don't know what does alex do talk about jeopardy and then there's me like complaining about adam sandler or like some quotes about the audience didn't love it and that makes sense like some douchey line <laughs> <laughs> just like play them like like all together well you know it would it would be just like the editing of dune <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the editing of as, Dune, uh, just as confusing as the editing of this fucking. Yeah, movie. yeah. So today we watched um, the 1984 film Dune. We're getting ready for the Denis Villeneuve reboot. We're excited about that because we like him as a filmmaker, and so we decided to go back to this one because why not? I hadn't seen it in like 20 years. I barely remembered it. My thoughts on it, uh, I'll get to in a minute, but. I'm going to go to you guys first. Um, Alex, what'd you feel about the 1984 David Lynch Dune? I love and hate this movie so much. Which which is higher? Hate. 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 <laughs> oh, that makes me sad. I mean, come on. This movie is just fucking hot trash. Um, <laughs> oh, I can't wait to disagree. It's, it's just, it's like if you had diamonds. And you just smeared it around a big pile of dog shit. And I'm not affixing blame to David Lynch, but there are beautiful parts of this movie. And there are amazing concepts at work here. I'm talking totally out of context, too, of the the novels and the story, the written story. Just have as you, Have film. you read it? No, I have not. So Jeff's read the novels, and I'm getting the sense that he really likes the film. So we'll, we'll wait to jump over to you, Jeff. Sure. Because... I think I hated this movie. Yeah. Uh, I uh I um I didn't I had very little love. I okay. Things that I loved. I loved the production in almost every way. Like I loved the visuals. I loved how goofy things were and even the things that weren't goofy, the things that were just so 80s sci-fi movie and really high budget for the time. Like if you adjusted for inflation, it would be like 120 million or something like that. Wow. I can't remember off the top of my head what the original was, but that's that that's the adjusted budget essentially. Forty, forty two mil. Yeah, so all these all these lovely miniatures and matte paintings and cool, like fun old sci fi effects. I love that stuff. But the story was so completely uninteresting to me. And it felt like it felt like a movie that was from a book right definitely it felt like okay these would these would be like there's so many names of things like so many references to lore that you get no context on in the film so i was pretty lost and uninterested and it felt like a movie that was cut down which it was david lynch's original cut was like four hours or something but they cut it in half essentially in order to be as cynical as possible and have as many theater showings a day as possible. So that's that's a thing. Good old studios. But yeah, by the time it was halfway over, I felt like it had gone on for eternity. I was no longer interested in anything, and I just wanted it to end. And <laughs> the second half was like a slog. I had to pause, and I did some editing on one of our other episodes just to like wake myself up. Yeah, definitely. For sure. So, Jeff, <laughs> how'd you feel about Dune? Uh, well, all right. So, I think I actually hate this movie probably more than both of you. Oh, I thought you loved it. I do. And that's why I hate it more. Because I'm obviously a big fan of the books. And I'm not going to sit here for this episode and sit here and go like, oh, well, this is what they did wrong with the books. Right. This movie don't do sit- the Lord of the Rings thing. I, you can't. And, and yeah. I don't like doing it in the first place. And you can't with this movie because this movie sits in a universe of its own interpretation of things. Uh, you know, you can gripe about like, oh, they didn't do this, but they're very limited to the, you know, the miniatures at the time and like the the art that was available. And Herbert's world and universe is so dynamic and beautiful and unique and and it's so hard. It's such a challenge and a and a gauntlet to try to capture that universe into a movie like this. Let me let me ask you something. the 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 story that's presented in this film is that one book in the series. They it's it's one and a half. They oh try God. to do Dune and a bit of Dune Messiah. Okay, and 
it just doesn't work. Like that very first scene. It's so accelerated. Yeah, with that very so first accelerated. scene. Yeah, no, yeah, okay. So I have so much to say, but like that first scene when you see the um the like the big baby in the tank, essentially, the the navigator. Oh, I forgot about that thing. I was like, what is that? And then I forgot about it completely. And exactly. So did the movie. And so if, if you're ever interested on actually what something is, you can ask, but I'm not going to give context because I just don't want to like bore the fuck out of people who already are bored out of their mind trying to watch this movie. Yeah. And with we'll no just look context. at the movie mostly. But wh- I don't, when I, when I say I think I hate this movie more than you both is because I know what they were trying to do. And kind of like what Alex said, there's so many gems here there's so much so many times where i was like oh that's such a good scene or that's great costume or uh, costume work or oh that's a really great way to to do that concept like having the context of the books definitely really helped in make me enjoy the movie more because i knew where to fill in the holes but this movie suffers not from lack of context but too much context too much exposition this is a, i think it's i think it's both <laughs> it feels like both to me it, well you can't do dune in a film like lynch or like these this cast and this crew were trying to do in this movie you can't capture this mass i mean for anyone who hasn't read dune dune takes place all seven books over tens of thousands of years it's very isaac asimov inspired where you know these stories take place over Many, 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 many generations where the deeds of the first book are legends of the last book. And they're trying to encaps- encapsulate that that aesthetic in one, granted, three-hour film and really failing in making two, it. Two boring. hours and 12. Okay, yeah. I mean, I watched the uh, the extended edition. Oh yeah, that's that's a thing to note. There, there are a couple versions of this. There's the theatrical one, which is just over two hours. And the three-hour one, which doesn't add much that David Lynch even shot or wanted, he actually says worse. Apparently, I, ha- I haven't seen it. It's mostly like landscape shots with um with like droning, like talking over it. Apparently, it's it it was a uh, cut for television, so it makes it feel more episodic than the original film, and makes it more boring somehow. Oh, I, I can't, can't speak to it though. Wait to talk about the voiceovers in this movie. I mean, I'm I'm curious what the difference is though, but there's definitely a ton of voiceover in the theatrical cut. And I, I was wondering when I was watching it, I was like, did they plan to do this? Or was the movie like when they cut it down, was it so poorly explained what was happening that they had to ADR in all of these like thought bubbles into the characters? You know what I mean? Like what do you guys think? That's a good question. I feel like they probably had to do it afterwards. There was so many weird voiceovers that like... You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of um, there's a cut of Blade Runner that nobody's seen because it's the worst cut, but it has Harrison Ford doing like voiceover in between scenes, like like all of these thoughts, and it's just, it like ruins the movie. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I thought of that. I've never heard of this cut of this of of Blade Runner. What? It's that like a film awful. noir thing where Harrison Ford is like reading or narrating and it's like Does he yeah. actually sound really, like interested? No, it's like so low <laughs> energy. It it ruins the movie. I can't uh, I oh can't emphasize this enough. It's worth watching if you like Blade Runner just to see how to ruin a great movie. I'm going to say this about Dune. Um I do think it was riding on the high of Star Wars of the time and like all this crazy success. And that's at least one thing that drew me to it. And that's part of the reason that I love it still is because like, I know that the sci-fi story that is like bound up in it is very epic. And I know that it's something that I would like. So genre like beauty and like the shots and cinematography and like the set design and things like that. I love all that stuff. And I also love David Lynch. But the story is just so chopped up and like uninteresting and flaccid that I also <laughs> hate this movie so much. I like I like that terminology there, flaccid. Yeah, it gave me nothing to care about. I was like, okay, it just it was so accelerated. It, it went to things. It went through its plot so quickly, and yet somehow managed to completely lose my interest almost immediately. Uh, well, that's not. 
that's not completely true. I would say about halfway my interest was gone, but yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm so happy we're talking about this because I had that feeling the entire time I was watching about, about watching this movie. I thought, wow, this ADR feels totally post. It feels totally like done it after the edit and after they watched the movie and they were thinking, wow, this makes no fucking sense. The <laughs> the narrator who is doing the ADR is mispronouncing like all of the planet names. It's somebody they definitely like hired just off a list somewhere to come in. Okay, and, like, so you, read this you're script. talking about you're talking about the stuff Alex and I didn't hear now. Oh wow, all of that? No, no. So it's all just you guys just hear, character stuff. All you guys hear is the characters. Oh yeah, my there's no God. narrator. There's no narrator Holy in the theatrical fucking cut. Fucking shit! That's hilarious. That I I had to sit and listen through that fucking garbage. And there's none of that. I was like, I was sitting there. I was like, oh, wow. This is throughout the whole movie? Like the original? I don't remember this guy. Holy shit. Yeah. So the, throughout the entire movie, there is a narrator who's never addressed. He's not in any of the other characters in the movie. And he just sums up what's going on constantly and like tries to keep the the viewer in the context of the story that it's you can tell it's so desperate they're trying so desperately to get cling on to you and keep you into the narrative and keep you held on and it's it's sad and it makes me feel bad for the movie a, a lot of the time that part that part that you're talking about is definitely was just added for tv and that's the reason like i didn't watch that cut even though i had it is that i read that it was so much worse and so pointless that I was like, all right, I'm just going to watch the theatrical one. And on the point about like, it'd be like, Alex, you're talking about sort of the, the post star Wars coital bliss that, that people were approaching this from Uh dude. If I were like really stoned in 1982, I probably would have loved this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Be like, wow, man. Exactly. That's when the revolution of special effects and you could do things out in space was like really happening on the screen and at movie theaters. So like this would have drawn a pretty big like crowd of young and adolescent people into these theaters. Um, I'm going to say this and it's going to sound almost like sacrilege. I feel weird saying it as such a big David Lynch fan. But again, we're not affixing all the blame to him. But No, almost like very little of it, actually. Exactly, exactly, which I think we'll, most we'll people We'll get into do. that. It's pretty well known. But this movie is almost like if there was an analogous, excuse me, an analogous correlation, it would be what we watched when we watched the Dungeon Siege in the Name of the King movie to Lord of the Rings. Okay, you get this really weird. It feels like the production company did this and whoever distributed this company, right? The studio. They saw the cash cow that Star Wars was and were was like they were like, "Oh, we can do the same thing." And we're going to do the same thing. And you get this ridiculous movie because they hired someone like David Lynch who wanted to approach the story, I think in a little more of an intellectual way little more abstract way they it turns this movie into just like a beast like a frankenstein of just poor decisions down the line i'm gonna have to disagree with you a bit there because i just feel like i'm choking with disagreement um, <laughs> exactly. I, I agree with you alex i'll get um, into that <laughs> i know I, I disagree in the way that i don't really feel like i feel like this movie was definitely trying to seize on the star wars popularity 100 percent. i agree with that point but I feel like this movie is just a miscalculation in content and source material choice. They could have chose... This movie would have been great. I feel a great kind of sci-fi, David Lynch, weird movie if it was any other story but Dune. Keep the effects. Really? Keep the actors. There's a lot of really great actors in this movie. I mean, there's so much to offer here. But there are a lot of great actors in the in the name of the king as well. That's true. I mean, that's very true. Touche. But I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of love here initially, and there's a lot of caring and desire and 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 want want to make the movie 
this great sci-fi epic and choosing Dune and trying to choose Frank Herbert's universe was just the miscalculation. There's but, definitely, there's definitely like, I, I agree with Alex and I agree with Jeff in, in certain different ways. Um, there's definitely more craft and like love going on in terms of like the production and the, the spirit of it. I think like there's like David Lynch is a better director than Uwe Boll to do anything. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Much yes. less like a sci-fi or a or um a fantasy epic. But I don't know. Like I feel like there's there's definitely the level of studio cynicism going on which which possibly ruined the movie. We don't know. We'll never know. We'll never see what the the intended cut of this was. But it was approached cynically by the studio for sure where they're like Star Wars is popular. Let's hire somebody and make a make a quick thing and somehow ruin it i mean in the name of the king though was ruined from the off like we, we there was no chance yeah. that was ever yeah. going to be good this movie yeah. i will give it the credit that like if it was allowed to be what it was intended to be it it might have been good no I, I don't know i don't think so i think i think even if david lynch could get his full original cut released i still think it would be considered a boring slog of an uninteresting movie i think you're probably right i don't i i just think that the content's just it was a miscalculation to to choose this content and there's all of it i mean if you if you think about this movie in a vacuum all of it is so well done like the i think the matte paintings are beautiful the miniatures at times they're a little silly but for the most part they're they're pretty good (laughs) they're actually pretty good the miniatures uh the sandworms there's some little uh-huh. bit of claymation. It reminds me of like early like the like Beetlejuice type of like yeah, claymation. Yeah, exactly. But, it's in that universe. But when they're doing like the practical sandworm, like when the sand the big sandworm comes out and grabs this spice miner, I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. Like I was I was pretty stoked on that scene. That was that was a nice representation of what was actually happening in the book. So I was I was happy with that. But I don't know. It's every time there was an expo- exposition dump. Every time that. Oh, they God. kept trying to give you context. <laughs> it, it was so ham-fisted. It was so forced, everything. Like, okay, here's another... Here's our, our, Everyone had to shove their motivation down the, the audience's throat immediately because their motivation is chapters and chapters and chapters that's, long. That's all their character is. There's no characters here. There's just motivations that are spelled out for the audience as a thing is happening with, like, no buildup. I know. I thought it was funny. You were like, "Who does that actor play?" And I was like, "Oh, Fade Ralpha." Like you were like, "Who's Sting playing?" I was like, "Oh, Fade Ralpha." And you're like, "Yeah, Bibbidi Bobbidi." Like that, that guy's nobody, name. Nobody's names in this mean anything to me. None of the, none of the lore that they throw at me, just like vomited up onto the screen, means anything to me. They're like the Blurbity Blurks in the Gobbadop dimension. I'm like, cool. What does that fucking mean? What are you talking about? I was like instantly lost. You're literally like you have described like how Rick and Morty was invented. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. There is like <laughs> a literal scene uh, where it it's just literally an exposition dump, and you just see the faces of certain characters like superimposed on the screen. Oh yeah, and they're like seven years have passed by or some fucking crazy amount of time, and it's like. Paul and whoever the fucking girl's name is are in love with each other. And like, it's just spinning heads in space talking to you. And you're like, this is really how you're going to show the passage of time. (laughs) I would way rather prefer like a blank screen. That's like seven years later. And then it shows like Paul with a fucking desert beard or some shit like that. Like, I, I, I don't know, but no, the film shows when it should tell, and it tells when it should show. It just can't yeah, ever get either like, one right. Even before they do that passage of time thing, that's like, and Shania, blah, 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 my love. And I'm like, wait, they're in love now? All of a sudden, he's in love with the desert girl? Like, when did this happen? It's so accelerated. It's like it's like 10 scenes were cut out of it. Yeah. you're. I mean, you're, you're right. It's so hard from somebody's perspective who knows like the story. Because it's like, okay, I can, I give movies a lot of liberty as it is. And so when I know the story that they're trying to tell, 
I just inherently I can't help but to like fill in the blanks myself. And oh be yeah. Like, oh, this is what they meant. Okay, I and get that makes that. total sense. You have you have the context, and that context always helps inform your vision of it because you can understand what was intended but for me I, I was like i was like i have no idea what's going on with the gobbledygook exposition and all of a sudden there's a contraption where a cat and a rat are strapped together in some hilarious schlock segment and i'm like what yeah no i was about to say earlier like watching this movie as someone who's read the books i didn't even know what the fuck was going on half the time <laughs> all right well, that's that's good it seems like the movie kind of was like um I go to like something like Spaceballs, and there's a there's like a gig or a uh, assholes, a gag that <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. What's what? You guys are comparing Spaceballs and In the Name of the King to this movie. It makes Dude, me this feel movie so... this movie sucks. <laughs> no, Fuck it's you. like a gag. It's like a gag of it's Spaceballs where he's like, oh well, it's all for merchandising, right? And like. I think it's Mel Brooks's character and it is explaining to him that, or it's the fucking, I don't fucking know. Anyways, there's a gag <laughs> about the merchandising and this movie had like toy lines come out like with action figures and they, they didn't sell. Oh, um, Funko pop came out with action figures that I'm sure sell more than the original ones because of the renewed, like cult interest in this film. Uh, there was like, card games and board games that came out and video games like what would you buy a toy of in this you want to buy like a patrick stewart doll with a mullet and like he's like yeah. holding a gun in one hand and a, inexplicably a dog in the other well he's like oh commanding God, did you guys dude. notice that yes <laughs> yeah oh i mean i, I mean it's funny because we've been talking so much about the movie like out of context we haven't talked much about the plot or like or what there is and i think we should spare people i think we should i think we're going the proper route on that doesn't matter (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) the scenes with patrick stewart made me laugh the hardest in this movie because as a big star trek fan a big next generation fan in particular he just is so obviously the best actor by far in that group and they even like try to emphasize it because Gurney Halleck doesn't have many lines in the movie. He's, he doesn't appear that much. Is that Stewart's character? Yeah, he's Gurney Halleck. Yeah, he's like one of um, Paul's trainers. And he's also, he's kind of like a bard. They gave him like nothing to do, it felt like. Exactly, because Gurney doesn't have many lines. And they tried so hard to emulate the book. They wanted so hard to just make the book. And it's this is why Lord of the Rings is amazing because they didn't try to do this. If they tried to do this, if Peter Jackson tried to take Lord of the Rings, the book, and do exactly what they did here, and try to do every scene, every passage, every little chapter, it would look like this. It would look like a mess. And it would be edited weird, and it would be way longer than it should be, and it would... You can't do that. And that's why it's such a failure here because they like took someone like Patrick Stewart, like Patrick Stewart should have been Leo Atreides. He should have been Paul's father. Like that would have been the best role for him. But instead they make him fucking Gurney Halleck and they even try to utilize his skill. They have that little scene at the table when they're all together and he stands up and he gives that like little like poetry recital for everyone. And it's like super weird and out of context. If you don't even know who like the fuck his character is. So it just doesn't make sense. But like, Patrick Stewart like leans into it and he really like puts his effort and you can see his acting chops just does he, boom. Does he recite? I don't remember this scene at all. There's this, there's, I watched yeah, it's it like last right in the night. beginning of, uh, like right around the beginning of the movie, like they're all gathered around the table um, and um, Thufir Hawa tries to like throw in his like resignation because of the assassination attempt on Paul. And he goes, was, oh, this, was this in the theatrical cut, Alex? I don't know, actually. Okay, so I'm uh, not sure if it was. I don't remember. That can't be okay. You don't remember? All right, so so the the there's the scene where the little like flying syringe comes out and tries to kill Paul, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and then after that scene, tries to give him the vaccine. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. He's like, no. He's like, no. My immune system. I won't. I won't get the microchip. It won't. It won't hit me if I grab it from the back. It'll be slippery because it's full of. Full of alien lizard DNA. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, so right after that scene, 
they have like a little um, like gathering, and it's like all of his him and his generals, and Paul's there, and he's like dispatching them around, and and Thufir Howitt's like, I must resign, sir, because he's like, who's Thuf, who's Thufway Hallett? Thufir Howitt, he's the um, Mentat. He's the one with like the, he's the older gentleman with like the the red lips and like uh, the big like black coat. He's the master. Oh, is of it the eyebrow guy? Yeah, eyebrow guy. Okay. I don't. I don't know. This scene could have been in the movie. Like, it's very that, possible and that's that funny my brain. That's why I've avoided completely... talking about the movie at all because I know you guys aren't <laughs> going to remember anything that happened at all. And as someone who like no. actually enjoys the story, I go, "Okay, that's an interesting way they did that. Oh, that's a cool way to do it. Oh, fuck using Sting as Fade Rautha. That was fucking stupid. Fuck putting Sting in a movie at all. Except in uh, except in Lockstock." Is Sting in Lockstock? Yeah, he's the dad. Oh my god, he... F- oh, okay. He's Whoa. the bartender. Yeah. <laughs> he's the bartender Whoa. dad in Lockstock. Yeah. That's so, 100% correct. Go ahead. Sorry, Alex. Holy god. You guys, you're good. Um, there's a... Uh, I, I'll disagree and like say that I think that a lot there are a lot of strong performances in the movie, and I do think the casting is good. I do think Kyle MacLachlan was young, but like Obviously, I think he's grown into his like acting role now, but I feel like there are definitely some. Like I thought, Jack Nance was great. I think that Max von Sydow was okay. Um, I actually think Jurgen Prochnow was cool too. However, I think my least favorite thing about this movie is fucking Toto doing the soundtrack. Oh my god! I was. I don't understand, like, because David Lynch is notorious for, in my opinion, having great original soundtracks. Well, it Um, might not have been him, which is a point to make. Like, he had no say over Final Cut. They might have just, you know, hired Toto completely. That's what I mean. It's like, they they just tried to tap into this, like, young energy where they were like, okay, well, all the kids like this fucking Toto Africa band right now, we're going to have them come into the studio and fucking make this music for this giant sci-fi. Like, it's like, just fucking stop, please. Oh, bless this movie could have had cool rackets. music. Well, dude, the, the new Dune is going to have uh, Cardi B doing the soundtrack. So. Oh what? No. No, it's not. Dylan, no, it's it's more of a James out, Bond like, thing. Yeah, he would that do that. James Bond chooses like the pop singers to make yeah. like, different you get, songs. You get Jack White and stuff to do the yeah, you'll for the intro James Bond. There you go. Well, I that forgot that would make sense, name. you know. They wouldn't do Cardi B, I don't think. But uh <laughs> you know. Yeah. No, I mean What are we talking about? Talking about Dune? Dune <laughs> talking about the music in Dune. Like it's just I mean, maybe like Sting could have fucking done the music. The police could have done the music and I would have probably liked it more. T- Toto's not even like, uh, I don't know. I, I love I don't know. How, <laughs> it, it, it's so, it's such a frustrating thing. I know because it's like a good movie that is bad and it, it, it's not fun to watch at all. Because yeah. <laughs> this is the star Wars at home meme. That is all over the internet. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like, it's not fun to watch because it's not horrible. It's not interesting to watch because the story I, is like uh, just I, a fucking just salami sandwich. Yeah, fucking I, awful. I had that thought. I was like, this movie isn't bad enough to be interesting. Yeah, it, it just <laughs> like suffers it from the all of the most though, uninteresting, boring elements of the story, and just which is which is sad because yeah. I agree with Alex. I think the performances are pretty good. Me like, too. And I think the production design is fun. Like, and the the miniatures is clearly a lot of effort and talent going into it. It's just yeah, sad like, that it's in service of just a terribly told story. Yeah, with and bad it's sad dialogue. That David Lynch, like, he's such a creative mind when you let him do his thing, and it's a, such an unfortunate thing that that a studio would even think to try to hold that back, knowing that that's really what makes his like his films and his his work unique is his ability to explore his own kind of craziness. Like the scenes where he's like sticking his hand in the box and the fire and the skin singeing. I mean, that was so classic Lynch style. That was cool. There's a little bit of Twin Peaksy vibes. I was waiting yeah. to see if Kyle McLaughlin would find who killed Laura Palmer. <laughs> but, um, oh God. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> I know. Uh, I was like, that's a, that's about as much laugh as you're going to get with that one. Yep, yep, yep. Paul that Atreides, was, that was a groaner. Agent. FBI. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had a point there, and I got sidetracked by my own terrible joke. Jesse's mind strikes again. Oh, great. But there's, it definitely suffers from like trying to stuff in too many of the big themes of, like, in the name of the king, of mm. too many, like, sci-fi or, like, otherworldly f- themes into the narration where they're like, we're going to talk about the religion or we're going to talk about the suits, which are cool like the sci-fi aspect of the suits, but it's like, I wanted to flesh out some of those themes. Not only does it suffer from trying to insert them too much, it inserts them so shallowly, like in such a shallow way that I'm like, well, fuck, why is that even in here? Why are we even fucking talking about this shit? What is going on? <laughs> Have yeah. you guys seen? That's perfectly said. There are so <laughs> many elements where you're like, this clearly has a lot of thought behind it, but you're we're given like one percent of it again and again and again. And yeah. on the topic, I remembered what I was gonna say. Jesse striking again here. Um, on the topic of David Lynch, it's interesting. Like this is pretty early on in Lynch's career. He had done uh, Eraserhead, of course, which was his first one, and was very influential in terms of people being like, "What the fuck is this? It's very <laughs> new, very new style of cinema." And is still a, a weird masterpiece to this day. But then after that, he'd only done The Elephant Man, which is not super Lynchian in terms of how we think about him today. Now that we have like the full realm of his filmography and the complete like gonzo weirdness he gets into. But he himself has said and, and maintains that doing this movie was kind of him selling out. And he recognizes now that he wasn't the right person person to direct this which is not to say he forgives the studio for completely ruining his movie but he recognizes that he wasn't the one to make it at all and that he was selling out so i'm not sure like to jeff's point earlier like the four-hour version probably honestly would have been just as fucking boring and probably (laughs) more so you know so it's funny because the early attempts to make this movie we talked about we've reviewed a film from Alejandro Jodorowsky mm-hmm. and he was attached to direct and he approached some bands to make the, the film soundtrack, including like Pink Floyd. Um, and he, his cast I have pulled up right here. He envisioned Salvador Dali as the emperor, Orson Welles as Baron Harkonnen, Mick Jagger as Fade Rutha, Udo Kier, I have no idea who that is, as Peter DeVries, David Carradine as Leto, Brontus Jodorowsky, his son, as Paul Atreides, and uh-huh. Gloria Swanson, among others. And it was going to be around 10 to 14 hours long. Yeah, well, that's that's Jodorowsky Jesus being Jodorowsky. There's actually Christ. a documentary about that called Jodorowsky's Dune that's interesting. What it lacks is is like like a producer kind of side of it to 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 say why all of this would not be possible. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like I would love to see it as well, but I mean, and I'd I would have loved to see any version of of Dune directed by Jodorowsky, but it wouldn't have been what he envisioned because because he's crazy. You know, like there's no <laughs> way you could actually do that. Even that would Salvador be a Dali. Titan. Yeah, that would be a titan of a movie. Yeah, Salvador Dali and Orson Welles. I mean, on set together, like ugh. that movie would have been too artistic. Like you wouldn't have like you wouldn't be able to understand what the fuck I think would have been going on even more so. Uh, I'm sure it would have been more interesting. But it would have been lot. more interesting to look at. For we sure. love the Holy Mountain. Have you guys seen stills of um, the new Dune? Yeah. I haven't even watched the trailer. Um, I have not either. I kind of st- try to stay away from trailers because they're a little too revealing nowadays. But Exactly. I noticed some interesting things after watching this film again. Um, the still suits look exactly the same yep. in, the, in the new film. Yep. And there was a lot of other like interesting similarities. The sisterhood. Yeah, I feel like this movie is also loved by uh, Denny Villeneuve a little bit. Like yeah, I don't know. I feel like a little like there's some interesting pulls from this film that are in this kind of new modern take on Dune, and it's interesting. He 
he keeps the still suits. He keeps the aesthetic a little bit, the kind of boxy outfits. And I don't know. It, I kind of feel a little bit of this movie in in his version. And I, I'm interested to see if if that's the case, if, there, oh, yeah, if there's there, a little bit of love there. There will be nods for sure. Um, whether they're like tongue-in-cheek, I don't think that's not his style. I feel like that would mess with the movie. I think they would be like serious and like actually genuine nods to the film. Um, the scene where Paul puts his hand in the box and the leader of like this, that sisterhood, you know, yes. that secret society of women. Benny Jessert. Yeah. That's the, that's the character's name. <laughs> no, that's the secret. Society. Exactly. Alex. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know what the, the fuck is going on in this movie. Blur, Anyways, blur, blur. um, her outfit is very similar too. Like the costume design is similar. So there are some cool, I mean, that thing that was in that tank, you know, that like gives out the fortune that tells or tells the future. <laughs> that thing was fucking cool. That's the one thing I want to ask Jeff about. Cause I'm like, what the fuck was that? Cause it never comes back or does it? Maybe I don't remember. It does. It does actually when they're, uh, nah, so it. it's a navigator. So I'm sorry like, for people who love this movie. There are people who love this movie. Uh, if people, if you love this movie, you, you I get love, it. Like, yeah, you love. It's your, it's your favorite movie, but not. You acknowledge it's not the best movie. It's like my Romeo plus Juliet. I'm never gonna talk shit on people who like this movie, because I get it. Like, I I get why it's attractive. I do. It's a cool st- like shell of a story. It's not told well to me, but I think the production is super cool. Like I've said. I was like I was like really hyped on that until I just sort of gave up on the plot. But yeah, no. If you like this movie, great. Like I'm not gonna talk shit on that at all. Yeah, I mean it's it's it, it's definitely there was a definitely good old college try here. But yeah, yeah, to answer your question, the the baby in the tank is a navigator. So like um spice can it changes you depending on like how refined and how much you eat and how much you <clears throat> ingest. And so basically navigators are just, I, th- I, I would, I think they were once human. I'm pretty sure. And they've just ingested so much spice that they've sped their evolution mentally. But because of that, their bodies aren't able to keep up. And so they just like kind of become these like shapeless baby looking things. But their brains are massive. And so what they're, what they're able to do is... So spice, oh god, here we go. Spice gives you something called prescience, which they don't talk about. Well, they try to talk about, but they talk about like in a shitty way. Um, and prescience is the ability to like see into the future. So the way they travel in space is they see into the future. <laughs> I'm like laughing so hard as I'm trying to explain this. Um, I'm like half listening. <laughs> I know they, they basically they see into the future and predict the route that is the safest for the ch- the ship to go on. Essentially, Got and it. the okay. spice allows them to do that. Yeah, it's basically how they warp. It's their version of warp speed. I like how spice is just like used for everything. It's just spice like a is space magic powder. It's it's, it's, it's the epitome of space. But it's magic. also like a drug, which is hilarious because it's like, oh, we use this for the biggest building blocks of society and industry. We need this the spice, you know, like it. But you take it, and it's like a DMT spice trip. Must flow exactly. Spice is essential for space travel. It's like, oh, you can live for a very long time if you take spice, but you are also a drug addict. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, it, like, it really depends on how you take spice as well. It's like there's so much like like if you shoot it or if yeah, you no, no, the, it or if <laughs> you shooting. The, snort yeah, it's, it's just it's the re, it. it's the refinement process. What if you boof it? Do they cover that in the books, Jeff? <clears throat> no, they don't. I'm sorry, they don't go God like. What if it. I just take a bunch of spice and put it in my bee hole? Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, it's just like depends on like like the fremen. Go right to your bloodstream. The fremen are like you know they're ref- they're exposed to like the raw spice in the desert, and that's why it like gets in their is bloodstream. That the, is that the blue eyed people? Yes, the blue eyed people. The blue eyed people who like I love the scenes where they just forgot to edit in the blue eyes to the actors. Oh my god, it made me so happy every time it happened, and it happened all the fucking time. It was so great. They would just like have a scene, like a long scene between two <laughs> actors, and there just wouldn't be any blue eyes. And they're just like, oh, I just forgot. That's adorable. Like anything that was bad about this movie was very adorable to me. I didn't go like, oh, this. 
I had no like malice when I hate a movie, and I'm so I feel, I feel bad for our listeners who enjoy the malice when I hate a movie, but I just didn't. The, the parts I hated about this movie were more like, oh. Well, you like the world. It'd probably be different if you didn't read the books. I would yeah, assume. and and I and I kind of that's like a great transition because I wanted to ask you both like because you've seen this movie now freshly as adults and it makes no fucking sense to you which i do not blame it makes no fucking sense to me are you interested in the new dune like i mean are you interested in how denny's gonna try to do it because you guys aren't fans of this world anything denis villeneuve does has been amazing and he does so many different things and they're always amazing i I've, I think I've seen all of his movies, maybe not like one of one or two of the very first small ones or something. Sure. But I've loved all of them. And I love I love big sci-fi. We we all love big sci-fi. So yeah, I mean, I'm stoked. I'm stoked. Um I thought you were going to ask if you're interested if we were interested to read the books now. No. That's what I thought you were going with that. But yeah, no, I'm stoked for New Dune for sure. Not because of this movie though. But but I but but it's but actually, let me amend that because I'm interested to see this story done well. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that's likewise. I was going to say, I think that just where film technology is at allows for more fertile ground for stories like this. Like you said, Jeff, maybe like it, it was a bad choice to choose Dune back in 1984. Whereas, you know, Star Wars is like a very traditional hero's journey setup kind of thing it lends itself to being very profitable and accessible they went a little too maybe like literary with this one in 1984 and they're like oh well let's do this it looks long it'd be like literally if a producer saw the book set on the shelf and was like oh we can make millions of dollars out of this they did plan a couple of sequels that never happened because this movie was bomb but um they're uh it sounds like they're approaching the new one in a smarter way as well because it's sort of half the story. Half the what? Half the story. So like Yeah. I, I don't I don't know exactly where it leaves off, but I was reading some inaugural reviews and they're like, It's really great half of a movie. And I'm like, Okay, that sounds kinda disappointing, but at the same time, after watching this, I'm like, That makes sense. You wanna take your time with this story. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, and and that's. But I that was actually going to be my second question was, do you guys think they're taking their time with this movie in in a way to set up for multiple sequels? If Absolutely. this movie does well, Absolutely. for sure. The people that are because it just this seems movie. out of uh, his Denny's like kind of wheelhouse to do like a kind of a big franchise movie. Well, he did Blade Runner. He did the sequel to Blade Runner. Well, that's just one movie, right? Oh, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. The people cast in this movie are very contemporarily, like very currently modern right now and hot. Like you have Timothy Chalamet, who's one of the bigger, like leading actors right now in films. Is he? I've never heard of him before. Oh, he is for sure. Was he? Was I'm thinking? Let me look him up. Did I see him in Spider Man? He was in. Oh, he's Little in Call Me Women. by Your Name. Yeah, Call he's Me Little by Women. Your Name. Yeah, Call Me. He's by in. Yeah, Call Me by Your Name's great. Um, this movie called The King, which is interesting. It's about the Battle of Agincourt and everything, um, based off of Shakespeare's play, one of the Henrys. I don't want to. He think was. About which one right he now. was an Interstellar, I guess. He was an Interstellar. That's the only thing I've seen him in. Um, I guess it was probably like a really small part. He's Casey yeah. Affleck's younger self um so then you also have jason momoa you have zendaya you have um fuck i can't think of anyone else right now still scars guard josh brolin there you go you have a ton Ah, of people i love me some josh brolin do you think he'll deep throat a frozen banana yeah, God. I hope so. That would he's be... playing. Uh, he's playing Patrick Stewart's character. <sighs> Granny we Hawk. can only hope. Oh, this frozen banana is melting really fast on Arrakis. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's really hot here. here. I gotta slurp it up really quickly. <laughs> Mota Penakeku. Mota Penakeku. Mota Penakeku. <laughs> no, I just I'm just curious because it just seems interesting because he's such an artistic director and for him to take on a franchise role because yeah I understand what you mean like. 
he has done sequels before, but if this goes well, if Dune goes well, this would be like his thing. Like, yeah, it's like an eyebrow racer. Kind yeah, of if thing. he does three great Dune movies in a row, which would be fucking. Oh yeah, he'll be set. He'll be in the Peter Jackson league. He'll exactly. Never have to like, do anything he, again. He'll be known as like, oh yeah, Danny Villeneuve, the guy who does the Dune guy. Yeah, and that was gonna like set him for life, and that. I'm happy for that, but at the same time, it's like, I do hope that we don't lose a bit of that artistic hunger that he has to make the great movies that he does. Yeah. Because I agree with you, like, he's one of my favorite, like, uh, current directors right now. Like, everything he's made, I have totally enjoyed. I mean, Arrival is one of my favorite movies. Arrival's fantastic, really smart. Arrival's, like, the kind of movie I never thought we'd get, where it's like, really intelligent huge budget sci-fi that's like isn't action schlock you know i never thought we'd get that again it's about language and connection and you're like what how'd this even get made sicario is amazing enemy is one of my favorites it's really abstract prisoners yeah he's, yep. a, he's a quality filmmaker blade runner 2049 he makes them bangers he makes good movie films he's an accomplished shooter of scenes <laughs> yep, and it's so it's a uh, yeah. I mean, I'm 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 excited for it. I mean, to answer my own question, I'm I'm very excited for it as a a fan of the books. Yeah, I mean, obviously we'll cover it. We I mean we we went this far, <laughs> but I know we went this far. He didn't to do, tiredly cover it. He didn't do Sicario, Day of the Soldier, or whatever. No, he didn't do the sequel. That movie fucking sucks. I just yeah, want to say I didn't that on record right now. But I never okay. saw it. Okay. Um, yeah, I never saw. I saw Sicario, and I was like, I don't. It just seemed like the movie that would get a shitty like straight to VHS sequel. It's so bad. But yeah, so no, I'm excited to see the new one. Um, I feel that uh, I don't know. I, I'm still willing to give Dune 1984 a chance. I will still watch it as if like just a normal watcher and lover Again? of movies. No, like if it's on TV or something, like I'll be like, oh, Dune's on. Like I'd watch it for like 15, 20 minutes. Grandpa and then, over here with his TV. Exactly. Again. And then I'd switch back to Jeopardy after the commercial break yeah. is over. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. Like I'm willing to give this story another chance. I probably will end up reading the books at some point. But oh, please do. I don't know. They're a joy. I mean, to not spoil the books, like, <clears throat> so I will. So, anyone listening, big spoilers for the books of Dune. Unless you guys don't want to hear this, because I don't want to spoil it if you plan on it's reading fine. them. It's fine. If I read them, if I read them, I will have forgotten what you're going to say by then anyway. Uh, in, this, in the idea of scope, I mean, Paul Atreides goes from this kid in the first book to becoming a sandworm god by the end. Is he actually book. like a sandworm? He's a sandworm. Okay, I might remember that actually. That actually makes me more interested to hear about the reader. Yeah, he so by the like the, his character is long dead. Like the man who was Paul Atreides is long far, dead and forgotten. Muad'Dib, who he becomes, becomes his own legend, and then Paul ascends and becomes a fucking sandworm god. Oh man, what if they did this story? But instead of having an actor, you just have like a CGI sandworm as Paul throughout. And it's just like grows and grows. It's just like you get Benedict Cumberbatch to do it. Yeah. It just like says David lines. Lynch. It's just like, burr, burr. yeah, you have David Lynch voice it for the nice nod. That'd be great. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you about the weather in LA today. Um, do you want to learn the secrets of the universe? The spice must flow. You know that, right? It'll be 82 degrees and hot, hot, hot. One thing that I thought was actually kind of hilarious was the spaceships. The first spaceship that Paul goes into looks like um, the Great Glass Elevator from fucking Charlie, like Willy Wonka's Charlie and the Chocolate <laughs> Factory. Like, it's interesting that it's different than Star Wars, and you could see that David Lynch tried to make it like, like where the Baron lives and everything. You're like, where? You're like, what the fuck is this room? You know. So it has like his twist to it that I like, but. I think overall that this film is just it's just a mess. I don't I don't know. And yeah. it sucks because I, I feel like there's so much potential and like 
potential energy and there are moments where it sparks really well and you're like oh this was really fascinating or interesting and i think in this new one coming up he's given nods to that on purpose and then i i do think that it's probably set up for a sequel but that's just more of a pessimistic view i don't think that it's set up for a sequel because oh my god this artistic vision is just unstoppable i think it's because studios are just like <laughs> people will fucking go and see these movies Mm, probably a little of column A, little of column B. Yeah, I would think. Yeah, I just hope they don't try to make it into like a primary action movie because Dune is supposed to be a slow burn. Uh-huh. Dune is a story about like a person who understands from the jump who they're gonna be thousands of years later and what their influence is gonna be thousands of years later, and they need to understand that now. Like in the books, Paul sees visions of like great fleets of ships who are like that are like cleansing planets with nuclear fire and he sees like the atreides flag flying on these ships and he's like like and the great jihad led by the fremen like he sees this huge vision of like this this totalitarian force that he becomes Uh and he like has to he's like trying to prevent that the whole book he's really trying to like make the right decisions and then think second guessing like is this actually leading to that fate or am i am i acting on my own accord like it's it's a it's a fantastic story so it's like i'm just i'm excited but i'm just hoping that they don't try to turn it into like here comes the sandworm (laughs) you know there there will be there will be a little of that there'll be and i'm fine because there is a little of that in the book there's actually quite a bit of it but, but yeah, I don't want I it to get, we got to take out the sandworm queen. Exactly. Or shit like that. You know? In an extended action sequence. Yeah. It's it, filled with lasers. Timothy Chalamet will be good for what you were just describing. He He's a good enough actor that like he can go up and down with that type of thing. And I like how they kept this kind of like young heart throbby Hollywood actor as like the main character. Cause like, I mean, yeah. I haven't, that's another nod to 1984's Dune. Kyle MacLachlan was a young actor at the time, and it was like, I don't know. If anything good came out of this, is that it spawned the partnership between the two, between MacLachlan and Lynch. I had fun spotting a few Twin Peaks characters. Everett McGill. There's like the uncle, the uncle character yeah, shows up. Big Ed. Yeah. Everett McGill. Yeah, Big Ed. There you go. <laughs> yeah, this this film is interesting. I'll say that. But. Yeah, you know what it felt like if I didn't know it was based on something, and I, or or even so, it felt like a, it felt like a big budget version of like a made for TV movie mm-hmm. in 1982. It's like one of those really low budget like Italian fantasy movies or something mm-hmm. like that. They made for like 200 grand or something. Yeah, where it's just like a, a mess and things don't make sense. <laughs> oh, I got some Barbarella vibes for sure. <laughs> oh. So did I. Yep, Definitely. Sure. I was like, this is like a it's like a better version of Barbarella though. Barbarella yeah. is fucking unwatchable. Yeah. yeah. But it was just like I just got some vibes from like the way that the, the sci fi was presented in Barbarella. It was just, I don't know, have this very matter of fact presentation and like the fucking body shields are the most laughable thing. Like they're one of the more cool aspects and the body shields is Frank Herbert making a nod to Isaac Asimov's The Foundation, where he was, like, really the first person to, like, come up with that concept of, like, a belt that creates a shield around you. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of weak. Because, essentially, uh, Dune is considered the, the spiritual successor to Foundation. They're, they, they're put in, like, the same type of category. They both take place over thousands and thousands of years. Um, if anyone hasn't ever read The Foundation, please do. It's amazing. Um, so yeah, it has, uh, a lot of little nods to like early sci-fi and, and sci-fi greats. And I don't know, it, that also adds to like, I think some of the love that I have for the movie and just the love that I have for people like Philip K. Dick and Frank Herbert and Isaac Asimov. Yeah. I wish I liked it. And like I've said a few times now, I liked the production design. It was fun. The costumes were fun Yeah, in a sort of B movie way. I liked some of the nonsense. Like, I don't know why there were dogs everywhere and people are carrying dogs, but they were. (laughs) Maybe that's explained in the the unreleased cut. I have no idea, but I thought that was funny. 
There's no scene where it's like, and Gurney Halleck runs out with the Labradoodle in his fucking yeah. jacket. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> some just dumb fucking shit that they added because America, we got to make it relatable because it's like such a foreign world. I mean, I love that the, the Sadokar, which are supposed to be like the elite forces of the Emperor, are fucking just like dudes in hazmat suits. <laughs> like it's just so good. Like maybe so they just corny. had like bring your pet to work day, and everyone brought their dogs, and they're like, oh, I'll just let him run around in the scene, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. It makes sense, like for a king to have the dog, but like just to see Patrick Stewart, like, and he looks exactly like Jean Luc Picard. I think they were still shooting Next Gen during the making of this movie and uh, yes they absolutely were oh yeah that mullet and so was it's just like, like taped onto the back of his head yeah it's like they just had like all like they, they didn't change him at all in the beginning in the ugh, sorry in the beginning of the movie so it was just so hilarious just seeing him there like running outside with this obviously prop looking gun like worse than star trek prop looking gun and like a, a whatever it was like a labradoodle in his fucking jacket it's just so it just shows the direction of the movie was was never really going up in a place that made any well, sense. Yeah. It is David Lynch. Maybe he had some like obscure reason for wanting dogs. It's like the dogs symbolize something crazy that nobody will ever get but me. I don't know. <laughs> we'll never know. I don't. I just don't feel like David Lynch put any kind of like thought into this movie. I think he I started think getting he, beaten back pretty hard from the get go too. Yeah, I just feel like he like. This movie was made by a director who was very checked out. And recut by a studio who was cynical. Yeah. So, yep. you know, you're pretty fucking fucked from the off. That's the way you're the that's the way you're going about it. I will say though, like great rebound from for David Lynch, you know, or like not even oh, a yeah. rebound. He just it didn't even really it's not even really like a demerit or like it didn't do anything to deaden his career as a director. And if well, any thought it would. He, yeah, but if anything, he was able to be like more appreciated for having the freedom and reign to make things like really weird. Um, it's actually his most commercially successful film. That's disgusting. Weird. Well, because his movies, those other movies aren't made for our like mass audiences. They're made for fucking weirdos. Yeah. You know. I mean, real weirdos. <laughs> they're made for real weirdos. We have yet to delve. It's funny that this is the first David Lynch movie we're doing. You would have thought that like we would have gone for something else first, like a Razorhead or a Inland Empire or something. Blue Velvet is having its uh, 30-year anniversary today. Mm. Oh, we could we could have done that. <laughs> I think David Lynch is somebody who's deserving of what, like a like a director spotlight. You know. Oh, we could. Oh man, it'd be, it'd be a long one. There's a lot to say about each of those movies. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Let's. Let, how many would we be talking about here? We wouldn't do Dune. Um, read excise Twin Peaks. That's its own thing. Yeah, you can't. We can't do. Oh, it's infuriating looking at his his uh director thing on IMDb because it's like a million tiny movies. Okay, Inland Empire. That's one. Mulholland Drive two, The Straight Story three, Lost Highway four, uh, Wild at Heart five, Blue Velvet, Alpha Man Eraserhead. Yeah, it's totally doable. Totally doable. Be a, it would be another, but it would be a, another mountain to climb for sure. We so could we'll, plan uh, it. We could plan it for like the new year or something. Give us all uh, time to like usher synthesize in the new year them all with, so, with a Lynchian, a Lynchian new year. Yeah, that's I'm, what it feels I'm cool like. With that, that sounds like a good what the, idea. That's what the last two years, 2020 and 2021, directed by David Lynch. I know we're living in some kind of just weird, fucking gross oh, nonsense simulation I'm, at this point. I'm living in the box that Paul put it, puts his hand into. That's where I've been. <laughs> oh, man. Like oh my God, dude. Just like searing inferno. Exactly. Just pain. I don't know if it's burning oh, or freezing or piercing damage. Who knows? Piercing damage. <laughs> uh, so, so it's great because so many of these actors in this movie uh, went on to do video game uh, voices, which is really that great. Jurgen Prochnow uh, has done a lot of video game voices. Everett McGill. Um, who they don't have here, which I was really conf- who the one who played um, uh, Leto, not Leto, what is uh, Liet Kine? Who, who's Liet Kine? He's, yeah, he's, you're um, asking the wrong people, my friend. Uh, yeah, he's, I don't know um, who that was. He's Arn Gear from uh, Skyrim. 
Every, anyone would recognize his voice immediately. Okay. Wait, is he really? Yeah, yeah it's uh, t- t- I gotta get my video game reference. Is it Bellathor or Bellanthor's? No voice. No, it's like he's like the old guy at the top of the mountain who tells you about the voice. Oh, yeah, Hi- yeah, he's Hrothgar. the old. He's the gray beard and High Hrothgar. Yeah, yeah, nerds, we're nerds. <laughs> yep, he's like the main. Uh, yeah, he's the main gray beard guy. So yeah, I don't know. That's oh yeah, Max von Sadow, Sadow, Sadow. Yeah, yeah, Max von Sadow. Yeah, he. Uh, that's Arngear from Skyrim. Oh, I didn't know that. He's a big. I like him. Yeah, he's a yeah, he's a great actor, and he's done a lot of voices in video games, like a lot. And so I just I, I was like, oh look, and I recognized him from his face right away. So I was like, oh, and oh, Arngear for sure. about to tell very, us about very distinctive features. Yeah. Well, that was Dune, yeah, folks. That was Dune. Do we have anything else to say about Dune? No, I think we uh, we we covered it as much as uh, Dune. Dune. Deserves, Fun production, boring movie. Yeah, to me, yep. pretty boring. Read the Sorry. books. <laughs> Read the books. Look forward to the new one. And yeah, next week, uh, I went back and forth a bit, and there were a lot of there were a lot of choices, but I think we're doing it. We got to do it. We're fucking doing it. We're doing Dead Alive, baby. Okay. <sighs> really? That's your reaction? Yeah, I just, it's one of those movies that I just feel like it's, it's, it's I know what you're going to say already. Well, it's like my favorite movie. I know. So it's like, it's one of those movies. It's like, it's like, it's like when I finally choose Romeo plus Juliet, like you're going to have that same reaction where you're going to well, be like, oh. The thing is, there's a lot of like sort of B schlock, real weirdos type of thing that I want to do, type of things that I want to do. Sure. And I'm always going to be comparing them to Dead Alive because it is, cause it is the golden standard of like wonderful schlock. And so I feel like we need to get that done before I go into other things like Reanimator and From Beyond and The Toxic Avenger and all kinds of other things that... <laughs> pretty much owe themselves in large degree to dead alive or if not are certainly going to be compared to it so that's fair and it's going to be shit ton of fun to talk about <laughs> it's just I a, agree. It's one of the most fun movies ever yeah it's uh it's, it's i just can't wait to hear you gush about it <laughs> like that's <laughs> yeah. just gonna be so cute to hear you finally like just go off about a movie. nerd out yeah i would be nerding out for sure i don't know what alex's relationship to this movie is but we'll find out next time thanks for listening Bye-bye. Now our podcast is done And we have to run We know it is sad But we had so much fun Don't be bereft Jesse, Alex, and Jeff Will be back real soon The Real Weirdos We talk about movies for way too goddamn long. <laughs> 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 <laughs>